Hey, come on, Go Church family. How you feel today? Everybody good? Man, this is the day the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. Come on, let's give, just, just give Jesus the highest praise we've got. Come on, let's do that together. I know all of our campuses today, I gotta I got to move real quick, but worship is, what about worship? Powerful, powerful. I just wanna highlight real quick that on our first Wednesday night gathering, it's coming up on the first Wednesday of October, it'll be a night of worship, and we're actually gonna do kind of a, a live worship recording and so make plans on, I believe that is Wednesday, the October 4th, whatever the first Wednesday is at seven o'clock, we're gonna worship together, okay? Let me greet all of you. It's a full room at our broadcast campus. This is our South Metro location. From this room, we have the honor and privilege to live stream our gatherings to our West Side Atlanta campus, Montgomery County, Maryland campus, and everybody online, whatever campus you're a part of today, whatever location you call home, we love you. We're honored to be your pastors. It's an incredible opportunity to be on this spiritual journey with you. So come on, Go Church family, every campus, put your hands together, greet one another today. Come on, come on, come on. Now you can do it a little better. Come on, let's go. And then I want you to show high honor and appreciation to the men and women that have served in the military, are serving, courageous first responders. Would you all put your hands up, military men, women, first responders. All right, come on, let's go, church, come on. God bless you, thank you, thank you. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Love you in the back, thank you. Two quick things, we'll get right into the message. All right, next Sunday, Kimberly and I, we're gonna be out of town. It is our 19th wedding anniversary. Come on, let's go. And if you give me the opportunity, I actually not only wanna honor my wife for 19 years, but I wanna say thank you to your mom and dad, Bishop and Dr. Valerie Matura. I don't want you to clap just yet. I'm gonna embarrass the two of you. I want you to stand up for just a moment. Um, 20 years ago, when I showed up, to propose, well, to first ask for Kimberly's hand in marriage and then later propose, you all gave me an opportunity and you have been giving me opportunities ever since. You gave me Kimberly, you gave me the awesome responsibility to follow you in leadership here. Um, you gave me a birthday gift last week, thank you so much for that. You just keep giving and whatever success we have at Go Church, we stand on your shoulders. You two are the most selfless, Christ-centered, godly people that I know. And so Kimberly and I would never even make it 19 years if you didn't say yes to some young kid all those years ago. Um, you've given me love and I love you back. And I think although some of you may not know them, you are a product because of them and their faithfulness. And so we honor you. We honor you. Love you. I mean that. I love you. You're the best. You're just the best. My father-in-law also gave me the debt on this church. He just gives. He is, a, he is a giver. But we will be gone next Sunday. I'm not gonna tell you where we're going because I don't want some of y'all to get a crazy idea like I'm inviting you. So I'm not gonna tell you. But I will tell you this. When we made plans for the trip, we also took into consideration the responsibility to bring a message. We got a great teaching and preaching team here at Go Church. But uh, uh, last year we made a new friend and uh, this has actually become a very special friend to us. And so it, it was really a God thing to get this friend to come here. So next Sunday, right here at Go Church is the one and only Tony Collier. Come on somebody, let's go. All right, so many of you know who she is. Uh, she's the, the founder of A Broken Crayon Still Colors. She's an author, international speaker. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I don't know of a more influential female voice for the kingdom of God in this moment than Toni Collier. She's everywhere and God is using her tremendously, her and her husband, they live on the north side of Atlanta because they love traffic and uh, so they're there. They pastor a great church there, but for her schedule to be free on the weekend that we invited, this is a high honor. Come on, she was at You Go Girl. Come on ladies, you know Toni, you know Toni. So she'll be right here and this is gonna be a great day. And then uh, we'll be back the following Sunday on October the 8th, unless the Lord calls us to plant Go Church in the Caribbean. Come on, somebody. How many of you know they need Jesus in the Caribbean? Can I get an amen? And so, uh, but we should be back. And uh, we'll be back on October the 8th. Next Sunday, it's Tony on the 1st. Then October the 8th, we kick off our At The Movie series. Now, many of you are pretty familiar with our annual At The Movie series. It is the single most evangelistic series that we do. 
and uh, we're gonna show movies. I'm, I'm, we're gonna show movies, we'll have popcorn and, 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 and drink, and it's gonna be a great four weeks. Some people have asked me in the past, JC, Pastor JC, why would you show a movie to preach the gospel? Well, when Jesus taught, he taught using parables. He used stories, and movies are just modern day stories. So we're gonna show you four different movies. Uh, we're gonna pull scripture and biblical truth from these movies, and it's gonna be a powerful four weeks. So here, I need you to do two things, that's it. I need you to invite, and I need you to pray. Don't go after your friends and family that are already plugged into a great life-giving church. Let them be a part of that church. Let's go after people that have drifted from God, they're far from God, they don't believe in God, they're de-churched, anti-churched, unchurched. We've got people like that in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. So if you'll just invite and pray, we believe that this At The Movie series, we could, we could see more salvations and recommitment in these four weeks than all year combined, all right? So on your way out, grab some At The Movies invite cards at every campus and uh, take a few stacks, invite some people. And then next Sunday, Tony, the following Sunday At The Movies, we got a great fall planned here at Go Church. All right, you ready for the word? If I'm ready, say I'm ready. We're talking week number three of our Game Changer series. Uh, there is a message note card in a seat near you. I want you to take that out. You got a journal, take some notes today. We're gonna walk through a lot of scripture and we're gonna challenge you and a great way to take your next step on this faith journey. Uh, before we get into this message, I always wanna pray. How many of you know prayer works? Come on, prayer works. So if you can, just, uh, just out of reverence and worship, would you bow your head, close your eyes. I'd like to give you 10, 15 seconds before I pray just to kind of center your thoughts and your focus, busy week ahead, busy week you just got out of. Let's just ask the Lord, you're here, I'm here, speak to me, Jesus, and then I'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the beautiful opportunity to gather together today. Lord, I pray that in all we do, um, in our worship, in our prayer time, in the message from the street to the sea, may you get the highest glory and honor. Lord, it is the sincerity of my heart not to make myself famous or to build my own platform or kingdom. I just want you to be famous. I just wanna tell people about what you've done in my life and challenge them and invite them to meet that same savior. Because if you can save this JC, you can save anybody. So I pray that you would be pleased today. And Lord, that you would be proud of me, I humble myself low, willing to be used by you. And we give you all of the glory and all of the honor. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen and amen. And we clap louder for Jesus than our favorite football team. Come on, let's go. Thank you, Joseph. If you've been a part of the series, uh, you kind of know the direction of where, of where we're going and where we've been. If you're brand new to this particular series or even to Go Church, I'll give you a little background here on this Game Changer series. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to you about three very like, uh, significant moments in my life that, that really changed the trajectory of who I am. Now, while I haven't talked specifically about my testimony and coming to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that is the single best game changer of my life. Can I get an amen from some Christians in the room? Once I met the Lord, there were some things that he revealed to me that really matured me and has continued to grow me and you know, develop me into who God is creating me to be. And this game changer phrase is, is not unfamiliar to you, especially if you're a sports fan. You know what it means to talk about a, a game changing player or a game changing moment. But I've also told you that that this is true in just about every area of your life. So, you know, when you met your spouse, that's a game changer. Come on, fellas, you married up, be honest, you did, right? When you had children, when you, I got one guy getting brownie points today, all y'all else. You know, like when you had children, uh, when you, come on, when you had grandchildren, come on, grandparents, a game changer, you know? Uh, when, you, when you got accepted in that university or you got promoted in the job or when you enlisted in the military, you get the point, when you sold the business or when you got the business partner or when the business merged, uh, what, there are hundreds and hundreds of different game-changing moments in our life. And the definition is a game-changer is a factor that changes an existing situation in a significant way. 
So I've been talking to you now on the third consecutive Sunday just about these moments in my life after I met Jesus that changed my life. The first week we talked about when I realized that I didn't have to do life alone, that God doesn't want you to live life alone. Let me say it to you like this. Life is better with friends. Okay, three of you got friends. <laughs> it's just, it's better that way. You know, it's, it, God said that it was good when he made man, but then in Genesis 2, he said, but it's not good for this man to be alone. So you don't have to do life alone. Then last Sunday, I talked to you about the game-changing moment in my life when I learned that my giving actually unlocks God's blessings. Now, if you weren't here last Sunday or the previous Sunday, go back and listen online or watch, watch it on YouTube. But I do wanna make sure you know that you don't draw some unfair conclusion. I, I didn't bring a manipulative message on money, uh, nor am I a prosperity gospel kind of preacher. I'm just telling you the God's honest truth that God's economy works, that you can't outgive God. And when you try God and test God in this area, it's a game changer. I wish I had time to tell you some stories about some individuals that have contacted me this week, as recent as last Sunday, just trying God in this area, and immediately God's blessings have been unlocked. It's a game changer. And then the challenge was this, if your way's not working with your finances and money, try it God's way. Try God's way. So go back online and take a listen to that. And then today, I'm gonna to talk to you about the third game changer was when I realized that the ultimate purpose of my life was to make a difference in the lives of others. It's a game changer for me. When I moved from selfishness to selflessness, when I realized that God created me on purpose and for purpose, I tell you this all the time, God didn't create you and then give you a purpose. God had a purpose, so he created you. And when you find out that purpose and how it is always attached to God's purpose, man, it just, it's, it's an unbelievable moment that will motivate you to get out of bed on a Monday. Can I get an amen from some tired folk? Come on, because you're not just going to work, but you're pursuing your purpose, your destiny. You know, it will give you fresh wind in your sails, and it will reveal to you that you're not just going through the motions of every, can I tell you that life is more than just nine to five? It's more than just, you know, Monday to Sunday. God wants you to make a difference in the lives of people. He wants you to really, and we'll talk about this at the end of the year, but he wants you to leave a legacy. And mankind has always wondered about not only how we were created, but why. Why did God create me? I hear that all the time in the over 20 years of, being in full-time ministry, people ask, Pastor JC, you know, tell me why God created me. And that nagging question will never leave. It will never leave you as to not only how you were created, but, but why you were created. And psychologists have done thousands and thousands of studies, and they've drawn this conclusion that for those of you that never discover your purpose, and they don't even talk about God and faith and the Bible, but if you never discover your purpose, your gifts, your abilities, your talents, that there are damaging effects on you individually and on society collectively. And it's just, it's, it's a fact. But when you find out your purpose and you live your life for purpose and on purpose, listen to me, it's a game changer. So here's one verse just to tell you why you were created. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, uh, this particular translation says it this way, for we are God's handiwork. Now another translation says, we are God's masterpiece. I want you to look at somebody right next to you and say, I'm tired of you not treating me like the fine work of art that I really am. Go ahead and tell them that. Like I'm a piece of art and I need you to respect me as such. We are God's masterpiece. Come on, that's why I tell Kimberly. I'm like, I got the dad bod going. This is still God's masterpiece. Come on, like uh, I'm a work of art. And it's where, yeah, and she just said, and he also created the gym. And uh, watch, we are God's handiwork created in who? Christ Jesus, come on, help me out. To do what? Here we go. God created you to do good, to do good. And not your own good, because who of us are actually any good? We are only good because of the grace of Jesus and the mercy that he gives and his blood that he shed on the cross. Anybody thankful for that? And then he says, look, I'm gonna create you to, to do good works to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor, to love people like you love yourself. So at Go Church, I mean, we get our name 
go, church, from the Great Commission. Therefore, go, make disciples, preach the gospel, evangelize the lost, baptize people. So we get our name, Go Church, from the Great Commission. And you've seen this before. You've heard me teach this part pretty frequently because it's an important part of our DNA and culture. But from the Great Commission, we also feel like there's a charge. Like there's a charge for you. It's why a lot of our language is next steps. And, and these aren't really steps uh, in your Christian walk as much as they work in harmony together. But as believers on this spiritual journey, this faith journey, it is God's heart for us to gather together. It's why we call anytime we get together gatherings and not services because the Bible says where two or three gather together, there he is. But being, I'm gonna be a little blunt today in some of the conversation, but being a Christian is far more than you just coming to church and sitting. You shouldn't live your Christian life from Sunday to Sunday. So at Go Church, we're gonna create space for you to gather so that you can get refilled and refueled, but then we also want you to grow in Christ. We wanna give you the word of God that transforms your life. We wanna give you discipleship and accountability because iron sharpens iron. We, we want you to be better tomorrow than you were today and better next week than you were last week and better next year than you were this year. Does that make sense? And the only way that can happen is not through motivational speech, but through the transformational power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. Can I get an amen from somebody that's on this journey with me of growing in Christ? But then we challenge you and charge you. Now you gotta go. You gotta go make a difference. You gotta go into the world. Can you imagine that within just a few mile radius of every one of our campuses, there are lost, broken, hurting, desperate people. And sometimes these people, they actually walk into one of our campuses, but are we being intentional and willing about going and doing the good work? I mean, you've, you've got the answer. You and I, we've got the answer to every problem that this world could ever encounter. And yet, why would we be selfish with that? And why would we think that God would create us and then not invite us to be a part of this story of telling the whole world about who Jesus is and how he saved us and changed us and transformed us? So we talk so much about this, you know, G3, gather, grow, and go. And then we built within all of these what we call our core values. And then internally as a staff, we, we dive deep into the core values of who we are and how they embody so much of the Great Commission and our call and responsibility as leaders of, of, of this church. We got six core values and, and each one of those values really do fit and find themselves within this whole strategy here. One of those core values out of Go Make a Difference is this truth. We are servant leaders. And if you just write this down, and which by the way, I'm gonna talk to you very much from like a, and this is, this, if you're visiting, go church, looking for a church, here's a little bit of encouragement or advice. You need to be a part of a church that's preaching and teaching the whole Bible. Come on, I need more people to say amen than that. Like, okay, so I'm gonna preach the Bible and give you scripture. I'm gonna go to God's word because that's the most important thing that I can do. It's my number one responsibility in my job description is not to give you my word, to give you God's word. But if you're a business leader, if you're a coach, if you're a team manager, you know, if, you're, uh, if you oversee employees, like if you're a mom or a dad or a grandparent, I mean, this is such a great principle, even just outside of faith, to lean into, to be servant leaders. Now, I'm gonna tell you from a biblical Christ perspective of what it means for us to be servant leaders, not just as a corporate body, but as a household, an individual household, but in order to be a servant leader, you gotta be a servant first. It's first. So where we base our definition and understanding of what servant leadership looks like as a believer, we turn to Philippians chapter two. A few verses here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Does that not sound like America? We live in a very me-centric society and culture Almost everything that we do is about self-promotion and self-gain, right? I mean, that, that's why, like, you got an iPhone, an iPad. I don't even know if they still make iPods, but you get the point. 
I need a new phone. Come on, somebody. That's why we have social media. Why, why is social media so great? Because it's about you. You think people care what you had for lunch. And in a weird way, we kind of do. So, so the Bible says, don't, don't do anything about selfish ambition or vain conceit. Everything you do, point it back to the cross at Calvary. And also in humility, this is why we call it a core value. We are servant leaders of value because in humility, we value others above who? Our, ourselves. Not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the interest of, of other people. And you get the point. You see where we're going. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. For some of you, this, this is, a, this is a, a, a mindset shift. Paul told the church at Rome, he said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your, your mind. And in America, the mindset is selfish ambition, me first, me-centric. Who do I have to put down so that I can get promoted up? Who do I have to run over? Who do I have to criticize? Who do I have to lie about so that I can reach a certain status or platform or position? And here it's, hold on. And your relationship with each other, change your mindset. Look at how Christ's mindset was and is, who being in very nature God, anybody grateful that God came as Jesus to save us from our sin, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And I think we're taking advantage of a lot of people when we don't consider their needs uh, because we're only looking inward. Verse seven, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a, on the count of three, every campus shout servant, one, two, three, servant, being made in human likeness. So here's the teaching, no matter what, what uh, you know, part of life or season of life you find yourself in, believer, non-believer, leader, et cetera. I'm gonna tell you three truths about being a servant leader. The first truth about servant leadership is this, is that a servant leader will always put service over status. I need more people to say amen, all right? I'll steal my father-in-law's line. The, the more you amen, the faster I preach. It's gonna be a long Sunday for some of you. You, you look at Jesus being our example of servant leader. Who is Jesus? The Messiah. I mean, he's the son of God. Tell me a status greater than that status. Tell me a title greater than that title. I am Yeshua, the son of the living God. Yet the Bible teaches us that when Jesus came, he came not to be served, but to serve. Watch this. So Jesus, being our perfect example of servant leadership, Jesus didn't choose the title. Jesus always chose the towel. He bent down low, bent down low, taking a towel and washing his disciples' dirty, nasty feet. And I'll tell you one thing about Go Church. We give you all kinds of opportunities to, to serve and to give back. But we will challenge the purity of your reasoning for serving. I think it's our responsibility to, to help you check your motives. I'll be very careful here, but it wasn't too long ago that we sat down with the couple at this campus because the, the reason for their serving seemed very self-promoting. They became very much about what they were doing and who they were and the influence they had. And even in one conversation, they said, do, do you know who we are? And so when we challenged that and decided as an executive team, you know what, what's best for them in the season is for them to sit. Guess what they did? Well, they left which only proved what our theory was, is that they were more concerned about their status than they were about the purity of serving. Look at me real quick. Society cares about your status. Jesus cares about your service. And a true servant leader, you are serving from a heart of purity to realize I'm not doing this for a title, but I, I will bow low. I'll bow low and pick up a towel. Just, I, I gotta move because there's a lot to say, but if you'll let me stand on my soapbox for about 25 seconds, this is good therapy for me. Anytime I talk to people in the lobby and it's like the first time we have a conversation, 
and they introduce themselves as prophetess so-and-so or minister so-and-so, here's always my response. Nice to meet you. I'm JC. I had one person. Oh, you're not JC. You are a bishop. And I was like, sure. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be known for a title. I want to be known for a man after God's own heart. I want you to know that I am a sinner saved by grace, that I am not better than it. And I do think we live in a culture that lacks respecting authority, but that's a different sermon for a different day. And you do need to give honor where honor is due, but be very careful of these people that are self-promoting and they introduce themselves with their title first and not their towel first. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. A servant leader puts calling over comfort. What's your calling? To do good works. What's your calling? To go make disciples. What's your calling? To love your neighbor as yourself. What's your calling? To love anyone from anywhere into a personal and growing relationship with Jesus. So, so that's the calling, but listen to me. But fulfilling that call, uh, calling rather through the, the discipline of serving is never convenient. Like it's never convenient. In order to serve, serving is always inconvenient. Always inconvenient. And I'll tell you this, and I try not to talk in absolutes, especially when I'm talking about God, because God can speak for himself. But here's what I've learned in my own life, is that whatever area that God is trying to grow you in and mature you in and disciple you in, he will never call you to something that is comfortable. Never. Why would, why would God wanna mature you and grow you and then only invite you to do something that was comfortable to you? If he called you to do something that was comfortable, then you would lean on your own wisdom and your own talent and your own money and your own resources and your own ideas and your own innovation and your own leadership and your own merit and your own status. No, when God is trying to mature you and grow you, he will always call you to what is not comfortable because there you can't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, you have to acknowledge him. Now you don't get to lean on you, you gotta lean on Jesus. Oh, come on, if we don't clap, let's do it well. God's always gonna call you to something that's uncomfortable. He, he wants you to step out of your comfort zone. Why? Because it takes a step of faith. And I told you last Sunday, even when we talked about, you know, generosity and giving and stewardship through integrity, watch, that if you'll just, it's never about the amount or the gift or the talent or the ability. It's always about obedience. It's about sacrifice. It's about not my will, your will, not my way, your way. And I can't think of a better story than the parable that Jesus told in Luke 10, a story of the Good Samaritan. You got a guy traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, Luke 10, you can reference it later. On his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, he gets attacked by robbers. They beat him, they strip him down naked, uh, they, they leave him half dead, they take his money, and there he is on the side of the road. Then the parable introduces three characters, three more characters. First, it was two religious people, a Levite and a priest, title. They had the title, but they didn't have the towel. Ooh, you better preach that, JC. Come on, I think I will. And what happened? They knew the man had a need and they knew the calling to meet the need but they weren't willing to get uncomfortable and risk themselves. So they just, well, they turned a blind eye. You don't have to say amen, you don't have to respond, but how many of you are just doing this? But then the Samaritan came along. The Samaritans were a low class of people in this time and, and they never interacted with Jews or Gentiles. Yet this good Samaritan saw a man in need he laid down his class, laid down his title, and he knew, I've got to get uncomfortable, but I am called to the least of these to help people. And he went over, he bandaged the man's wounds, he helped him get to a holiday inn. Come on, somebody. He checked him in, and he left his credit card. And he said, whatever this man racks up in a bill or invoice, I'll, I'll pay it in full. The great late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached on Luke chapter 10 many, many years ago. And in that 
sermon, he talked about the mindsets from two different groups of people out of the Good Samaritan story. He said, the first type of person will say, well, if I stop and help, what's gonna happen to me? So I know my calling, but I don't wanna be uncomfortable. But then Dr. King said, a second group of people, servant leaders, their mindset is, if I don't stop and help, what's gonna happen to him? Servant leaders always choose calling over comfort. Let me get 50 people that knows I'm preaching already. Come on. All right, third, servant leadership puts we over me. And this is so true, that we put the needs of others even before our own needs. I'm not saying be taken advantage of or being a doormat, but I'm saying that you stop looking inward and you start looking outward, that you see the bigger picture And you realize that you do have the answer and God has given you a gift to go do these good works. And so you will choose the collective body, the collective need over the convenience of your own issues, your own season of life, your own challenges, or maybe even your own exhaustion. I asked my son Lake, he's 13, if I could tell the story. And it was actually last night, uh, we were watching the Georgia game and and I was... uh, putting just some final thoughts on the message and in my notes I got here and I said, hey, I wanna ask you for permission to tell this story. Now, most of you know that anytime I use my kids in a sermon, I I pay them $5. And true story. And the reason for that is, is I just feel like it's not fair to take advantage of free content. So I'm gonna pay them for the content. So he said, well, if you tell the story, do I get the $5? I'm like, always. He's like, tell that story. Lake is in the eighth grade. Um, He's a really good kid. He's taking a few honors classes. So the work requirement of those honors classes is a lot. Um, He's in Go Youth and he serves in Go Kids and kind of their production. He serves on production here. He's playing football. This week was a busy week. Projects, class, assignments, football practice every day, away game and on the north side of Atlanta, which if you travel to the north side of Atlanta, you know that's a testing of your salvation. Can I get an amen? And, and a game on Thursday, um, and then Friday night was homecoming at his school. Well, Friday night, after our his and hers marriage conference that we had here, which was a game changer for a lot of marriages, by the way, we traveled over to his school and we picked him up from homecoming. On the way home, we reminded him that he had signed up to run cameras on the two Saturday morning session of the His and Hers conference. And immediately he's like, I can't do that. I was like, what do you mean you can't? He's like, I'm tired. He's like, I'm really tired. Well, we got into a little bit of a back and forth and we just chose to take kind of the the peace-filled road. I mean, mean, he's just a kid, whatever. Well, hey, by the time we got in bed, Lake was almost in tears. He came in the room, he's like, didn't he? He's like, "I, I can't serve, I'm exhausted. He's like, I can't get up that early. And I, my heart went out to him. And he was like, Dad, please, I'm asking you, can you, can you text Josh and Joseph and, and ask them to find somebody else? And I said, well, let me just tell you this. It's okay to feel the way that you feel. There, there are a lot of times that I've asked Kimberly, can you text somebody and tell them the pastor's not coming on Sunday? <laughs> you just text them and tell them I ain't gonna be here. And I said, but Lake, I, got, I need to tell you this. First, because we are Christians, Right? We, and I'm not exaggerating. Now, I knew I had this message in my back pocket, but it was a great moment as a dad and parents and with the child. I was like, as, and as worldlies, we keep our word. We keep our word, man. And I know you're exhausted. And I, and I know that the easy way would be just find somebody else. I was like, but bud, we're servant leaders. And I said, so we have to keep our word and we're going to serve tomorrow. And then I said, and not only are you going to serve, but but joy is a fruit of the spirit and joy is a choice. And I say this to our team all the time and and to our family all the time. And we are responsible for the atmosphere of whatever room we walk in. So when you walk in in the morning and you're tired, and I did promise them Starbucks, come on somebody. Starbucks and Jesus, hallelujah. I said, but when you, not only will you serve, but you're gonna serve with a smile on your face. You're gonna serve. And he's like, but dad, I was like, hold on. One more part of this. 
because it's real easy to think about me. And I said, Lake, you just, you just think you're running a camera. You think it's just a camera. But because of your obedience to run that camera, somebody in Montgomery County through the live stream gets to hear the sessions and the gospel of Jesus and their marriages could be forever changed. And you know what? Lake woke up the next morning and I was like, you good? He's like, I'm good. And a little 13 year old boy served all day yesterday at the his and hers marriage conference. Come on, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud. And you know what? This is a great place to pause right here and just say this. And every Sunday at all of our campuses, hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that serve on our GO team, they don't get up every day and like, you know what? I can't wait to serve. It'll be great. Life is hard and it's overwhelming. And it takes sacrifice because serving is inconvenient, but they don't care about their title. They don't care about their status, right? They care about serving on push through. They believe in this enough. They don't care about, you know, comfort. They're pursuing their calling and then they see the bigger picture. It's about we, not just about me. So here are three questions that servant leaders ask and three statements servant leaders make. The questions, what do you need? How can I help? I love this one. What's next? How many of you know that when you move, you got one or two people in your phone that you can ask to help move you? And they're gonna be like, yeah, what do you need? How can I help? What's next? But you got about 200 people that are like, oh, I'm out of town. You're like, buddy, I'm your neighbor. I see your car. No, this is statements that servant leaders make. I'm available. I can do that. And I love this one. I believe in the vision. I believe in the vision. All right, let me give you this and then we'll, we'll conclude. Let me give you some blessings that we can experience when we serve others. Blessings we experience when we serve others. There's a lot of blessings. I'm gonna give you three or four. You ready? The first one is this. Serving others allows us to deploy our spiritual gift. Um, you hear at Go Church a lot that we wanna help you discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gift. That word deploy is, it's like a, a military term, right? It's, it's the military who have been deployed, so they are being moved into action. And so that's what deploying your spiritual gift, because like we are in an army together, you, you love when you go to a store and they honor the military and they're like, hey, did you serve in the military? Because you get a discount. How many of you know like places like that? Now, I never served in the military. I have my dad who served in the army. My brother served. I never served. I talked to the Marine officer when I was in high school, but opted not to do that. And, uh, but I've always had high appreciation for the military. So anytime I go to a restaurant or, or a place of business and they say, are you in the military? I always wanna say yes, but I never enrolled. But I do say, well, no, but I am in the Lord's army. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't even make sense. But so, so deploying your spiritual gift is we are being moved into action. And look, and God does have gifts for you. He gives you the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit to give you power greater than your own power. But then he gives you the spiritual gifts gifts of the Spirit. And Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, I don't, I don't want you to be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. And I think a lot of you are, you're uninformed and you don't even realize that you actually have been, when God hardwired you, he gave you talents and abilities and gifts. And you may not even recognize them as something special or a supernatural ability, but they really are just that. If I were to define spiritual gift, those words I would use. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to all of us so that together we can advance his purpose in the world. Now, I told you earlier that the game changer is when you realize your purpose to make a difference, but don't ever get it twisted. Your purpose is always connected to God's purpose. And he gives you gifts to advance the gospel, to point people to Jesus and the whole world. And look, all of you have gifts. Some of you may think you don't, or some, some of you are so worried about the gifts you don't have 
that you don't develop and use the gifts you do have. Some, some of you are very gifted at public speaking or the gift of administration or you're really good with craftsmanship and, you know, working with your hands. And, and some of you, man, you, you can sing and, and others of you, you should stop singing. And then you, can I get an amen from somebody? Just, your ministry of singing is in the shower. You just sing for the Lord in the shower, but don't ever bring that here. But God has given all of us gifts. It's what 1 Peter 4.10 says. He's given gifts to each of you in his great variety of spiritual gifts. It's a really bad example because I don't ever want you to view God like Santa. But you know how Santa's got that big bag of gifts and he comes delivering to the kids? Okay, God's bag of spiritual gifts is far greater than Santa's bag of physical gifts. And God's got this bag of spiritual gifts and he's, listen to me, and he's given you whatever gift, whatever talent, and whatever ability he needs you to possess to fulfill your purpose connected to his purpose. If you don't have a gift, don't be mad at that. Just realize, I don't need that gift. He's given me every gift, talent, and ability, and he's given it to all of us. And then the Bible says, manage them well. That's another one of our core values is stewardship. Steward them well so that God's generosity can flow through who? And me. Now, in the New Testament, there are at least 27 spiritual gifts that are listed. These aren't all 27. Um, and then the second thing I would say is this, is I don't believe that all of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible are an exhaustive list. I think that God has unlimited gifts. I think that God has unlimited power to give you whatever ability you need to fulfill your purpose connected to his purpose. Does that make sense? So the blessing is not only learning what the gift is, which if you haven't discovered it, we can help you at Go Church, but then deploying it and using it. Another blessing is this. When you serve others, you get to experience supernatural miracles. Let me give you one example of a lot. In John chapter two, it's the story about the wedding at Cana. This is the first miracle that, the, let me say it this way, the first recorded miracle of Jesus. So, and many of you know the story, but they're at a wedding they're serving wine, they run out of wine, and the, I mean, it's just like, what are we gonna do? Mary comes to Jesus, his mother, and says, hey, we're out of wine, and he says, like, woman, I don't know, I don't know what you're involving me, my hour has not yet come. John chapter two. But then Jesus turns to, and I want you to read it later today, but before you watch the Falcons lose to the Lions, come on, somebody. Um, that's sad when that was the best response I got all day. Talking about, but Jesus turns to the servants, the servants, and he says, go get those jars and fill them full of water to the brim. So the servants, and I wish I had time to tell you about the, the weight and the amount of gallons, but they, they carry these, these jars and they fill them with water to the brim, spilling over. They bring them back and then, those at the banquet, those at the reception, they, they put their cup in the jar that's full of, they don't even know. They don't even realize. And when they dipped their cup, what came out? Wine. Water, he turned into wine. And they never even knew that there was an issue. The only people that knew were the servants. And sometimes when you're serving others, you get a behind the scenes look at the supernatural miracle the supernatural miracles that are happening that other people don't even know about. You know how a lot of times now with, with weddings, uh, they'll do, the couples will do that first look, right? That first look. I mean, serving on a team gives you a first look at the supernatural miracles of God. It's beautiful. All right, another blessing is this. Serving others surrounds us with other Christians who help us follow Jesus. I'm almost done. Hang in there with me. I tell you all the time, real life change happens in the context of relationships. So we tell you, get in a group, get in a group. But you wanna know where real bonds are made? In the trenches, in the trenches. Brotherhood and sisterhood are developed at a greater level when you are lockstep with each other. Hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. And when you, when you serve, and you're a part of that, what we call here at Go Church, our Go Team. 
Now all of a sudden, you get accountability and you get discipleship. So whenever you start acting like a fool, look at somebody and say, you're doing that now. Go ahead and tell them. Whenever you start acting like a fool, your brothers and your sisters, they can bring you back in. When you're out of alignment, they can say, hey, let's come back, let's come back to the straight and narrow. And they can partner with you in this faith walk to help you stay on that straight and narrow. Can I get an amen from somebody? And then one more. Here's the final one. Serving others is just a blessing to our soul. I want you to think about the happiest person that you know. Don't say their name. Just think about the happiest, most joyful. I always want to be around them or every time I'm around them, like, man, they're so overly optimistic. The glass is always half full. God can do anything. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. How many of you got somebody in your mind? The happiest, the most joyful person that you know. Okay, now this is rhetorical. I want you to think about them. Are they that way because they're rich? No, they're that way because they're selfless. Because in their life, they have learned that the happiest people on the planet are the people making a difference in the lives of somebody else of somebody else. Research says the fastest way for you, to get, for you to get out of depression, the fastest way to get out of depression is to find purpose for your life, to get vision for your life. This is why some of you hate your life so much. It's why you hate your job so much. It's why you're frustrated at your family so much because you don't know the purpose. But when you find that purpose, man, all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, God has created me and he's gifted me. And what? And now I get to give that away to be a blessing to others. That's why this biblical principle is actually incredibly true. It is far better to give than it is to receive. But I hear excuses all the time. Hey, as your pastor, let me confront you for a moment, all right? You love me? Okay, I love you too. So here it is. I hear excuses all the time. Well, I don't have time. Well, you had eight hours yesterday to watch college football. You found that time. Yeah, but I don't even, I don't even, what what could I do? I'll help you. I'll tell you exactly what you could do because we'll help you discover that gift so that you can use it for the glory of God. Well, I don't have any special skills. Wrong. You do. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I just don't think you even realize how special that gift is. And whatever that, have you ever met somebody that they got like a a goofy talent or a weird talent? And we kind of laugh. But even that silly thing, it's not a silly thing. It's a spiritual thing. God can use that in some way. That silly thing that you do that makes everybody laugh would bring so much joy to go kids. You get the point? Well, they they don't need me. Who told you that? Because look, you're the missing piece to this whole dysfunctional puzzle. Come on, somebody. We do need you. And not out of manipulation or the vision will keep going and other people will step up, but we need you. Man, you are are God's grace gift to this church and this community if you'll just say yes. And don't let let it fool you that, well, it's a big church, they don't need me. No, we we do need you. And God will use you. And let let me say this to you. The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross at Calvary, his blood covers everything except your excuses. Don't miss that. His blood covers everything except your laundry lists of why you can't take a next step in him. All right, when you walked in on your seat was this little serve card. Everybody take that out real quick. Come on, take it out. I'm gonna give you a challenge today. Um, At every campus, If God has spoken to your heart in some way, shape, or form, or convicted you, I'm gonna ask you to fill this card out. When you fill this card out, um, you can put your full name, phone number, email. You just select an area that you feel called to serve in. If you look at all these, you're like, I have no idea. Just right at the bottom, I have no idea. That's fine, I'm serious. I I got no clue. 
And watch, if you fill this out today, and as you leave this gathering at all of our campuses, there's some tables and an experience set up outside where you can meet some of the volunteers and leaders that are over these areas or serving these areas. If you turn this card into them, they will reach out to you. They will, they'll email you, they'll call you. The only reason they wouldn't reach out to you is why? Well, we couldn't read your handwriting. Come on, somebody. If you've not been given the gift of handwriting, let somebody else fill the card out for you so we can read it. But this is your moment. This is a game changer. I'm gonna pray for you. Campus pastors are moving, Pastor David as well. Let me say this, final thing. Too many of us, we've gotten really good at taking withdrawals from God's house. Now it's time that we deposit some things. Let's give back. Let's give back and watch God use us and give us joy and fulfillment. Has today been okay for you? Come on, if you bless the Lord, I know he'll be honored. Let me pray for you. What's the next step? What's the Holy Spirit speaking? Okay, Lord. Father, I've done my part. And I believe now, God, you're doing yours. I'm just asking Jesus that somebody would respond to this petition. That it is a game changer when we seek you first and we use our gifts and talents for your glory and for your honor. The greatest game changer is giving our heart to you and then it's going all in, all in. And I pray this series has been a challenge to all of us to do just that. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Pastor David's coming to give you a few instructions before you leave.